This episode of this Focused Practical Dreamer's Journey is brought to you by Energy Healer Jean Borders' Personal Powerful Transformation Program. Know you're leaving money on the table, but can't figure out how to bring it in? Need to double your productivity and profitability? Need an extra push to get things moving in the right direction? Visit www.focusedpracticaldreamer.com slash transformation now and apply for a business consultation with Jean. Welcome to the Focused Practical Dreamer's Journey, where we take out your emotional baggage and heal your emotional body so you get to enjoy the success you desire and deserve. Prepare to feel a sense of relief and empowerment as we get rid of the baggage you've been carrying that's held up your business success up until now. Be sure to visit our website at www.focusedpracticaldreamer.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, lean in, get comfortable, and prepare to take off. Hello, everyone. This is Jean Border, your host for the Focus Practical Dreamer's Journey podcast. I have a very unique guest here with me today. Um... This person not only works with people, but also with animals, horses in particular. Hi, Kim. How are you? Hi. It's good. Could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. I, um, well, I have an unusual background. I have a finance degree, and I spent a long time working for large corporate finance clients, and, um, also through that same time, I started my own sort of personal um, discovery, uh, my own spiritual journey. Um, and even way back, I was a coach when I was a kid. I coach kids, youth swimming and different things. So I've sort of coalesced all of that stuff together um, to do. I do energy work on people, body work on people. And I've essentially sort of taken all the different things I've studied uh, and taken what works the best for me, and I use that on people. And now I work 75% on horses and dogs and animals and then on people. Uh, That's really cool. So talk to me about the horse part. I want to know how you work with horses. How energetically you connect with horses? Um, well, it came about, I was actually in a class where we worked, it was half and half horses and people, because really before that, I was kind of afraid of horses, like, or I was like, they're big, and I, they can just, you know, I'll just keep my distance. And something just really changed for me in being able to apply that <clears throat> energy information to the horses and that just really took like a 180 turn in my life honestly um in my journey and and i just i there's just a connection i have there with them and the horses in particular you know they can hear our heartbeat from like a super far distance away and then they can mimic their heartbeat to our our heartbeat 
and vice versa. So they're, they're, they're just being in their physical presence provides a really somatic experience for your own physical body and being. So it all just sort of happened organically based on that. And I just started spending more and more time with them and doing the pure sort of energy work with them. And then that continued to evolve. And now I do a lot of a combination of the energy work and work on their fascia system based on biomechanics and how the horse's body is meant to move and help them be better athletes, essentially, and help them be more comfortable in the body and their movement in their body. That's interesting. How do you do that? Um, I, you, I basically sort of look at the horse and see, I, I guess I can see where things are out of balance. I look, I feel, I see how they move. And then I go into those places that I guess a good way to describe it would be to say that, that looks stuck and work with the fascia to open that up and change that the interesting thing a lot of people don't really know what fascia is so is it okay if i just give a little yes please so for people who don't know if you've ever cooked chicken and you know you peel back the skin the little slimy weird creamy looking stuff that you see is fascia and our entire body is actually made of fascia it's just more liquid fascia or more solid fascia scar tissue is is solidified fascial tissue as an example and so the other interesting thing is for many many years doctors just thought fascia was nothing like it was just like this non-important substance in the body and about probably close to 30 years ago now they actually started looking at fascia and studying fascia and there's a really cool but very long and in german uh youtube video (laughs) called trawling under the skin where they actually did a live sort of surgery and filmed the fascia and one of the things that they found is that fascia responds to a question so oh and i should so a lot of my work is really based on being in the question and that's uh physically and energetically and sort of asking the body and the being to show me what I need to know or see or deal with, right? So the cool thing about the fascia is that it responds to a question. So where it where it's tight or it needs to move and change, in addition to physically manipulating it, which I do do, I the work is physically like hands-on touching most of it. And um I can ask the fascia to release. And um, what that does, when when the restricted areas of the fascia loosen up or liquefy or release, people talk about it in multiple terms, it allows 
the rest of the system to relax and recalibrate because the fascia system is really all in through the organs and under the skin. And it kind of is like a giant sticky spider web that's like one continuously connected organism in your body. So you can have, I can have like a restriction, a tight fascial bunch up here that's then pulling way down by my hip. And so if I can release the restriction up here, it releases what's going on in the hip. So there's all these like connections in the fascia that when you release one area, it creates change all over. So how do you determine which area is causing the issue for another area, possibly? Um, I mean, sometimes it's, it's, it's a little bit of an exploration. Um, I do have sort of a specific way that I will usually work through the body, you know, to start and check things. We pe people and horses have commonly recurring things, right? So I guess this is true for people, for horses in particular, most of what's going on with them are, first of all, I consider horses to be like a professional athlete. They are a performance vehicle. Um, whether you show and actually compete on a performance sort of level or whether you're just like a, a, a weekend rider, your horse is still a performance vehicle. Um, so I basically look at how it's meant to move. And so because they're performance vehicles, they have similar recurring things and they're basically like a giant repetitive motion injury <laughs> kind of right they have the same sort of way that they're supposed to move and because of the way that we've trained them to be ridden the same sorts of things show up so that's the number one way that i know the second way is just by feel you can you know it's i definitely had to develop a certain touch and feel but you can feel I can feel and intuit into the restrictions now and um, sometimes I figure out where the restrictions are in other places based on my knowledge of how their momentum is supposed to move through their body and how their body is supposed to work and sometimes it's not any of those things and it just sort of like different things show up and and so to circle back in terms of like being in the question and asking from a question the other thing I do is always just like follow the follow the energy and go where are the thing where things show up i don't have a very it's not form very formulaic when you say you follow the energy what do you mean by follow the energy where uh, it shows up yeah i mean i guess i mean i literally it's i when i work on something uh, because people are animals too, really. We're all just animals, right? So when I work on someone or something, I have no point of view about what's going on or what's supposed to be happening. I, I it's like I it's like I would step up to a person's body or a horse's body and and say, "Show me what you need me to see today," and I don't mean necessarily see with my eyes, right? So I guess 
what I'm really talking about is using my intuition, right? Following the energy, using my awareness or my intuition. And I just then know things. Or I think, oh, well, I'll just put my hand here. And then, you know, oh, and then I'll put my hand here. And um, so that's that's what I mean by follow the energy. It's very interesting. Uh, You're an energy worker. You're a healer. Okay. Whether that's, you know, that's in some circles, those are common terms in other circles. That's like, I don't even know what that means. Right. Right. But you've learned to trust your intuition. And uh, one of my other guests, um, she was reciting a definition, but it, it had to do with you just know something without finding a a logical reason why you know it. It just comes to you and you know that it's true. And so many healers trust that intuition to grow, to help people, animals. And that's really what I hear you saying. Yeah. You know, it's they say like, again, you know, the, there's the, the four major ways that you can be aware, I guess, right? That you just know things, that you hear things. So you know, you have a, you follow your senses and you know, you, you hear things. So you're auditory, you're, you touch things. So you get information kinesthetically, um, or you're visual and you sort of see things. Uh, and one of the things that was really challenging for me in the journey and probably still the reason that the joke amongst my friends is that I'm a reluctant healer because I have a particular about that word. Um, I really see myself more as a facilitator or a conduit. I actually think what I'm really offering is the space for the being and the body to change what it knows it can change and to heal itself. I'm just a guide. Um, so, but also my primary method of receiving intuition and information is knowing which for many, many years seems like I make it up in my head. And so that's been, it feels like it would be so much easier to, like I know so many people who say they like see things like a movie in their head. Yeah, I don't get that. So anyways, so that is interesting. That is what I do. And and that is, I do just have that knowing. Um, And so it can be, it's been an interesting journey becoming comfortable with that and learning to use it and trust it. Well, so many times through our normal lives, we're taught not to trust our our intuition. Absolutely. If there's no proof, then it's, then, you know, it's just your thoughts. That doesn't mean anything. Yeah. But in the energy work, we train our bodies to trust what comes in. So that's part of the growing process for energy workers, light workers, energy healers, whatever you want to call us. And yes, I totally agree. I, I'm one of those like you. Yeah, things just come to me, and I don't know how or why, but my clients seem to say, "Oh yeah, I I get that." I'm like, "Okay, I don't, but if you get it, that's good." Yeah. The other thing that's um, I think interesting and important to talk about is the role that your body plays. At least for me, I think. For most people, but at least for me, the role the body plays in awareness and intuition and knowing also. Our body is such a a, a, a vibrant 
sensing organism that it gives a lot of information that we confuse as like problems or things that are like ours specifically, right? And so I think that's one of the things that really changed for me when I started working with animals. A couple of things. Animals are absolutely willing to change instantaneously, right? They don't have a point of view about how that like sore thing in the hip can't just like go away, right? Um, And they also don't grin and bear it. That thousand pound animal I got my hands on, if it doesn't like what I'm doing or touching, it's going to move and it's going to let me know. Right. Um, but so the other thing that started happening for me in a really in a much more I think it's always happened to me my whole life. But when I started working with the animals, it happened to me in a way that was different or made a different connection for me. And that is I get a lot of information also about what's going on with people's bodies and my bodies. And I can often, uh, if you witnessed me working on someone, and this is a little more true with people because I have to be around horses, you know, you have to be careful how you move and things. So it's, it. I'm a little bit, but a lot of times I'll be aware of something that's going on in their body, but I'm aware of it in my body. And I can move my body or touch my body while I'm touching their body and change things. So acknowledging my body as a source of information really changed things for me. Because I'm sure you know so much of a lot of the spiritual quest or studies or whatever we want to call it. The body is this like pain in the pain in the rump sack of bones that we have to like skin sack that we have to like carry around almost like it's like a limitation or a liability and I have found that, that opposite to be true when I am willing to be aware of my body include my body it really exponentializes what I can help create very interesting that that you say that when I work with a new client one of the things I I try to always remember to say is, if I get quiet, that just means I'm working very deeply. I can multitask very well, but sometimes I just have to work and focus on that. However, if you, if a thought comes to you, or if you start to feel something somewhere in your body, please tell me immediately. Don't wait. Don't think you'll mess up the, the process. That information may be meant for me. Yeah, Because if it goes on too long and you don't say anything, there's a possibility I'm going to feel it. And I don't really want to feel your back pain right. or, or the, the sharp pains you're getting in the side of your head. I don't really need that experience, even though thank you very much for the offer. But yeah. please tell me, you know, because chances are that information is meant to help me focus more intently on a specific location, thought, event, whatever. So it's yeah. very interesting that you say that, that you have the same experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a lot more common than people really realize. And I, I think it's, to be honest, I think it's true in people's everyday life. You know, you're. I think that when I spoke earlier about how the horses can regulate their heart rate to our heart rate and their respiration rate, all of those things to us, um, I think that actually that people have that same capacity and they're just unaware of it. So, um, like, for example, if I'm feeling really anxious, 
100% of the time, I'm not actually anxious, but I'm aware of someone in my field or in my house or in my whatever that is anxious. Um, But it feels really real to me. That's the thing, right? Is it feels like it's really your thing in your body, but it's actually your body giving you information. So it's it's kind that, of fascinating. Yeah, that brings up so many things. What what you were talking about in general in some energy fields, we call that working by proxy, where we we're inside that person or animal's energy field, and so we stand in as a stand-in for that person. So we might feel what they're feeling, so that we know what to address within our bodies that will change something for them. So that's one thing. Another thing that you just said, when I work with people who are in service-related fields, such as hairdressers or nurses, some of them take on physical symptoms because they're bombarded by other people's energy and they don't realize it. And so they carry it around and they don't wash it away like, like every day you or however whatever your routine is you get in a shower and you wash off the dirt from the day yeah well the same thing applies to other people's stuff that you pick up energetically if you don't get rid of it you're carrying it eventually your body says enough already i want to be me again get rid of this stuff so that's a process we have to work through with clients to get them aware okay when you start to feel like really tense and you don't know why just to take a quick energy shower, right? Or if you're a hairdresser, you can't like run out of the building. Say, excuse me, I have to go to the restroom. Do it in there until you feel comfortable doing it wherever you are, right? Yeah. So many techniques people can learn once they become aware of what we take for granted. Absolutely. Well, and that when uh, speaking about people in particular, most people are just—they're not even aware. It's it's shocking to me the number of I'm very communicative with people like verbally when I'm working on them because I have information but I don't always like no no and I I I there is pressure involved usually very light pressure but there's pressure involved in fascia work right so I'm constantly checking in how does that feel where else do you feel that And the number of people who are essentially like, I don't feel anything, when my hand is essentially two inches inside their body, you know, um, is kind of is kind of shocking and alarming. So many, many people. That's another thing that we've been just like we talked about not being taught being taught to ignore our knowing. We're taught to be disconnected from and disregard our body. Right. So. First, people have to be willing to be aware of it in order to, that's the thing, all the people, they don't even, they're not even aware that it's not theirs. And and the brain doesn't know the difference between real and fake, right? It's the reason that watching scary movies or violent movies is not great because your bot, your brain, your limbic system doesn't really realize that that's fake it's why we cry when we see movies it's why when we watch like a scary movie or whatever we have that you know because our body thinks that's real and is experiencing it so 
And that's something, and I, I know I keep bringing up my clients, but it, the, the thoughts come, so I have to share them. A lot of times, our belief systems are created by the time we're like eight years old, right? Mm -hmm. But so many people have experienced traumas through the television that the body didn't know wasn't theirs. And so they believe it was real and they created belief systems from things they didn't understand, right? Mm -hmm. So I caution, I also mentor healers that are learning their craft or wanting to hone their craft. And one of the things I caution them about is just because something comes up in a session doesn't mean it's your job to relay that information to the client who may not understand, such as you're working through something that comes in as a sexual trauma as a, and the age comes up, it's like four years old. That doesn't mean that the child was actually molested. It could be. They saw something on TV that was sexual and orientation and sexually oriented and they took it on because they were so scared from it. Right. And so to them, it was real. Yeah. But if you tell them, oh, you were sexually molested at age four and they're like, no, I wasn't, you know, because you, you set yourself up for so many things because of the way the brain takes anything and tries to make sense of it. So it never happened to you, but you created a belief system from it or a memory from it. So yeah. it did happen to you emotionally and mentally, yeah, but not actually in in real life, if you want to use right. that. Yeah, exactly. So let's go back to the horses, because I'm really fascinated with the horses. When you When someone brings a horse to you, what are some of the common things that, that they might ask you to look at or come to you for? Um, it, I, it can be behavioral problems. Probably again, right now my work is really performance-based. So it's a lot of my horse is lame or my horse doesn't feel quite right, or they don't feel like they're moving quite right. Um, so it's a lot of things like that. Um, yeah, it's really just that they're off essentially in various ways. So when you're doing the hands-on work, which I assume is where you kind of, that's where your clients see you working is with the hands, but you said energetic stuff comes up. How do you deal with that? What what types of things might you intuit while you're doing the hands-on work? Um, You know, I don't, it's interesting because for me, the truth is it's like, it's not really separate, the energy and the hands-on. And so, and I just, um, so I don't really separate them. And I also, when I'm working, again, sort of don't really have points of view about it. So I really work a lot and they're like, oh, that's interesting. And, um, I don't really necessarily put a lot of anthropomorphic words onto what information I'm getting. Um, whereas I do find, honestly, it's slightly sometimes a pet peeve of mine. There are a lot of energy workers and body workers who put a lot of verbiage from a person's point of view onto something that 
I think isn't always necessarily accurate or necessary. Again, just like you talked about, like not sharing that someone may have been molested or, or, you know, whatever the experience is, it's a similar thing. There is very little separation between what's going on in a horse's body and their primary riders. Right? And so I am very careful about what I communicate to an owner or a rider about what's going on outside of the actual physical biomechanics because I don't want to create additional points of view that now the horse is bombarded with and has to deal with, right? I'm, and I'm very, the other thing that I pay a lot of attention to is the, the words that I use because words have an energy and a certain meaning. And sometimes the words that we use today really mean what they meant, you know, pre-1918. And um, so I'm very, I'm careful about the language that I use when, when I'm talking to people. So I don't really get a lot of like wordy sort of information, I guess. It's just nondescript information. <laughs> I don't really know how else to, to describe it. Um, also, as you know, because we've worked together before, I have my own, you know, we all have our things that we have a hard time accepting that we can do, right, that we have capacities for. So one of my current ones is my ability to really, like, have a conversation with an animal, even though plenty of other people think I'm like a Dr. Doolittle sort of person. That is not how I see myself. So that is, I think, also part of but I think that that whole thing is part of why I have some reluctance to that as well, because I don't want to. Animals don't experience things the way that people do. They don't have the words and the emotions like people do necessarily. So I don't it's not always a, it's not always a benefit to put a lot of that to assign something to. It's just not really accurate and can cause challenges. It's something you've alluded to several times is that the person doing the energy work needs to be very clear that they take themselves out of the equation before they begin the work because you otherwise there is the risk of your belief system, if you will, skewing the information. Absolutely. Well, and that's the other thing I was, the thing is, is that how I perceive the energy or the information is really how exactly based on my belief system or how I define that energy or what does that color mean to me, to use that as an example, right? Not, oh, it's this color, so this means this to you. It's more about like, oh, okay, well, what does that mean to me? That's the message. It's actually based on what it means to me. And that that's how it, the information is communicating with me. Not that that's the thing that, you know. So I might have a certain definition of a certain feeling of a certain kind of energy. But that's what's trying to be communicated to me. And it's not necessarily like a concrete thing that happened in the person or the horse, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, you have to be 
really aware of that stuff and I think careful and I'm I'm very careful and choosy about who I'm willing to do energy work with um sometimes with clients there are some clients that I don't want to work with but also with the people that I choose to work with for my own sort of like healing and growth because it can sort of throw a wrench in things and and um and not everyone is that is self-aware is that self-aware right so i do think that it's something to be important to pay attention to and be careful with well when you work with a healer you need to work with one who you feel comfortable with that you yes. feel you can trust because it's a very intimate relationship mm-hmm. the healer can because of the way they intuit based on your reactions based on your words based on what they know whatever knowing comes in that can be some very private information that you don't want the world to know and so you're very you can become very vulnerable in those sessions Mm -hmm. so it is important to find someone that you really feel gets you yeah and so I'm on quite a few sites where there are people like working on their certifications on different modalities. Mm-hmm. And what's not stated enough, in my opinion, is that these people are in training. And so they may not have developed skills that a more experienced healer mm-hmm. might have in the ways to communicate being a big one even if they're trying to keep things confidential that's confidentiality is another big one mm-hmm. in these kind of situations taking themselves out of the equation before they ever start to work with you is another one but occasionally i see comments is it okay for healers to do xyz during a session you know i was really offended or, or are, is this how all of them are supposed to be so for the healers out there who are listening, who are working to become more experienced, those are things to keep in the back of your mind. If you are the person that will call your client, would you want your healer to bring that attitude, that information, that judgmental you know, attitude perhaps into the session. Yeah. There's also there's also a piece I think where whether you bring the energy as a healer or facilitator to the session or not, because we all know that some healers do bring the energy that like they're exalted or, or whatever. Right. Yes. Above or better or have more knowing or are more conscious, or whatever, choose the word. Um, But so your clients also put you in that position often, right? And so you, as as healers, or psychics, or energy, any kind of energy worker, um, really, this actually, I think, applies to any position, even nothing energy related from an employee and a boss, right? But it is especially true in the healing works, where the client puts the knowing of the healer above their own. 
And I work really hard to not do that. And I work really hard to let my clients know that what they know is most important, right? What they know, they're knowing and themselves the best. And I've came to that in part because I've seen a lot of people close to me go for sessions with people where the people weren't functioning integrity, where they were working from their ego, and it's really messed my friends up. And they've made important life decisions based on that information that caused them a lot of trouble um, because they just automatically assume that that person knows better instead of um, feeling into, is that really true for them? Does that really resonate with them? Um, is that really accurate? And even even people I have those conversations with and they know that, sometimes that stuff will still stick them and then they have to really work to get out of it. So it is an area, I think, as healers and energy workers, we need to do a better job, honestly, at that. And it is so common for clients to ask, well, questions that they are going to make very strong decisions from, you know, very, very um, important decisions from. And so my fallback typically is asking questions so that they can think it through for themselves. Because like you said, they don't trust themselves for whatever reason, for perhaps they'd been in a similar situation and they made bad choices. They just no longer trust themselves to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, if they ask me to muscle test a, a certain thing, you know, whether that's food for them or in, in some cases food for their animals, mm -hmm. I do that because it's just a numerical system. But a lot of that information comes directly through the animals knowing of these chemicals are not good for me. Mm -hmm. But some of that is influenced by the owner as well. Right. Gosh, it's so interesting that you bring that up because I was literally in the last three days having a conversation with a friend um, about that. And I, when it comes to my own personal animals and food and chemical things in particular, I do like to have other people muscle test for me um, because I have a very hard time getting really clear answers um, or trusting the answers that I get. Um, but the other thing that I find interesting about muscle testing for me is I, it's and this is an area where I'm still really like I have growth and discovery uh, to get better with. But I feel like my if I have a really strongly held point of view, no matter who I ask to muscle test for me, I basically am changed. I'm influencing the answer and I'm not really getting there's just been a lot of instances lately where like it was a yes or a no. Um, and I realized at some point later that that was because that's what I had already decided, you know. So your subconscious, and, and I have this conversation frequently also, your, what you believe to be true is true for you. And your subconscious will do everything it can to make you right. Mm -hmm. So when you become aware of that, and then you look at these situations through that filter, things can become a little less rigid. Mm -hmm. Do I want to always be right in this type of situation? Right? Especially with the whole muscle testing thing. Yeah. Um, 
the subconscious is going to do what it thinks you want. Yeah. And if you want that answer to be that, well, it's going to find, it's going to search and search and search through your memory banks, if you will, because your brain is a, your body is just a computer. It logs every minute of time that you live. All your emotions, all your experiences, everything is stored in your body. So your subconscious goes through that and looks for proof that you are right. See this, see this, see this. It ignores all the times when it wasn't true because it's trying to make you right. You know? Mm-hmm. So I, I especially when it when you start working on deeper issues, so many times we can do so much work on ourselves, but an outsider really it might be in our best interest to have someone else work with us on it. Absolutely. And actually, even when it comes to, you know, I have a lot of horses. I have a horse problem. Um, <laughs> I prefer, I mean, I do work on my own horses, but I regularly pay other people to work on my horses. So two things about that. Number one, in when it comes to energy work and body work, one plus one does not equal two. One plus one equals some other exponential number. So the coming together of energies creates a lot more than one singular energy will create on its own, at least in my opinion. And um, when it's very hard for me or really any owner to not have a point of view when they're doing work with their own animals or their own children or whatever, right? And so for me, it's very beneficial to have someone who doesn't have a point of view about what might be going on or what needs to change or what isn't working work. It it gives my animals the space. Like I'm just not, then I'm not in the way, you know, in terms of my own points of view, right? Because also, and Again, this applies with my horses, but it would apply to anybody with any animal that they have, pet or otherwise. The animals that we have in our life, even the animals that I'm exposed to to work on as clients, we've come together to share an experience and to share an opportunity to grow and change and get information, right? And so... It helps to be aware of that. And then so my horses, each individual horse that I have, we're on a specific journey together to heal and change and do different things. And and that's true to me, even with the client horses. I'm with that. I'm, I'm, I'm able to, that owner has come to know about me and asked me to work on them because that's what that horse is asking for or because we have this complementary thing that we're going to do together. And so if you take a look at what's going on with your dog or your cat, how does that relate to you? What's going on with you? How are you? What is similar in that? And I, again, I have this conversation quite, it's a common conversation. Animals, pets in particular, typically don't want their, I'm going to call them owners, to suffer. They don't want them to have to experience bad things. So the animal will try to take that energy, that negative energy, imbalanced energy, we'll call it, from the owner and take it upon themselves so the owner doesn't have to experience it. So the animal, the owner 
understands there's something going on in the animal, but they don't know what it is. But there are energetic connections um, in a lot of modalities. We call those cords, right? Mm-hmm. But energetic connections between the pet and the owner so that that imbalance is flowing from the owner to the animal who's trying to help the owner by taking it on themselves, becoming the healer, if you will, right? So that's something that we have those conversations with the owner who comes to me to figure out what's going on with the pet. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, yeah, I've got, I've had problems with my legs and now he's limping and well, okay. Yeah. yeah. It's very interesting how that works. Very, very. I have a lot of conversations with animals, uh, mine in particular, um, about not having to take it through their physical body. Right. So that's also sort of like an old, deeply seated historical thing with energy workers about having to transmute energies through your physical body, like take it in, change it in your body and then let it go. And that's actually not required. It's not even the most efficient way to do it. And it's damaging. Exactly. And it can totally, it totally messes you up. So... Um, but I do think that's something that animals still st- still struggle with. The other conversation I have with my horses is, please stop hurting yourself or like having is there's got to be another way for me to learn about this physical ailment and how to deal with it without me having another two thousand dollar vet bill and the stress of, oh my God, my horse is gonna die on the regular, <laughs> you know, so I think that's an interesting thing. um, but I but also I think our our animals, again, the animals that we choose to have this relationship with, there's that journey. There's that learning process together. And we're all on journeys. Yeah. The My listeners happen to be on either a similar journey to me or one that sort of they're becoming aware of my journey. So maybe at some point in the future... And that might be where they're headed, you know, or maybe it's just a learning experience for them and they want to see what's out there. But it's the end, the target is never really the important thing, even though it seems like it is. Uh It's all the little steps we took to get from where we were to where we want to be. That the journey is is the cool part. Well, the journey is how you gain knowledge. Yeah. The the destination is not the knowledge. You get the knowledge in the steps you had to take to get to the destination. And once you get to the final destination, what's left? I mean, well, you know, I mean, seriously, what else is there? You're looking for the next thing. Yeah. So you want the, want the journey to continue. You want to grow. You want to get more knowledge. You want to have more experiences. You want to feel more joy. You want to feel like you've helped somebody else. You know, I'm so many. I'm going to use the I know you don't like the word healers are lifelong learners. Absolutely. Take a million courses, always on webinars, always on ma- in mastermind groups. It's very interesting. Do we need all that stuff just to stay in business? Probably not. We've got a clientele built up. You know, we can stay in business, but it feeds us to grow. I do. So that we can serve that- others. Yeah, it does. And I do think, I think it can become 
it can become a distraction from really developing your own capacities because it it becomes about this quest for knowledge about like oh this is this thing i need to know that i don't know um it's i and it's also part of the process but i think you have to be something that i've really changed lately is a really stepping back and i was having a conversation with a friend recently and someone was offering to you know be a mentor and and blah 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 and that person was asking me like well what do you think and i was just like what i really need right now is someone who doesn't feel like they need to teach me how to do anything else. I need someone who can work with me with what I have to offer and what I'm bringing through. And it needs to not be about their the parameters that they use for how they function in their sort of healing situation. So I think it's important. It's, it's, it's easy to get in that like hamster wheel of like, obtaining knowledge that other people have that you don't, right? And it's not even really knowledge. It's it's really information. There's a difference between knowledge and information. And so it's important to, to make sure that you assimilate and bring through what that is for you. How is that for you? What does that mean to you and your body? And how is it going to, how will you share that instead of, ticking off the boxes of like knowledge and information, if that makes sense. If you're not using the information that you're compiling, then you're you're not relying ways not to take action. Yeah. Right. There are some people who have all this, these certifications and all this. Oh, well, as soon as I get X, Y, Z, I'm going to start my business. Well, no, you're not. There's something blocking you. You would have started your business 14 courses ago, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, as soon as I'm finished with this next one-year mastermind, I'm going to start. Well, no, you're not. You know, you're going to find another mastermind. Yeah, it's so funny. I was, uh, uh, I have a friend who I don't see. She lives far away and I don't see her that often, but I saw her recently. And it was funny because she's she's in a new program um, to try and, you know, have a system to do a new thing. And um, she said to me, I remember what you said to me every time now I have one of these discovery calls and I'm like looking a new thing. I remember you saying to me, you know, you just spend money on these courses and these things thinking that that's what creates your business, but it's not creating your business. So that was funny to me. It's always funny to me when someone says back to me something I sort of said randomly that came in and went out of my head and I don't remember saying that's like still impacts them. You know, this that conversation I had with that person was several years ago. But I think it, it applies to what we're talking about here because that is what happens. You get in this habit of like, oh, this is how I become a better healer. This is how I become a better. It applies to people in real estate or or internet marketing or whatever, right? You, you, oh, I need that next class. I need that next master class. I need that next program. We think that by doing that, we're creating, but we're really not. Not If we don't use it, then it's just, as you said, a distraction. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go way backwards. How did you get into energy work? What What was your introduction into the energy world? Um such a weird path i was so i have a degree in accounting finance and international business i am a very and the horses really need that 
Yeah, right. I am a very pragmatic person. So bad things were happening in the stock market when it was time for me to like pick a major. And I my initial interests way back in the day were like in fashion and design. Just so funny because if you saw me now, like you would never, ever think that. But anyways, um, but I was just like, well, that's not a very practical choice. And I was in this accounting class and I was like, well, this will be I'll always have a job, you know, anyways. So that happened. And so I basically worked really hard. I put myself through college. I worked full time. I put myself through college. I got out. I had the like job that was supposed to be like, this is supposed to be the thing. And I was like, this is it. <laughs> what? <laughs> I cannot believe I just killed myself to and this is it I've achieved the thing um and so I wasn't really unhappy but I also wasn't happy and so I took an Anthony Robbins seminar someone had given me him his tapes and I and so to be perfectly honest that was really that was like my really very beginning um because prior to that I was an athlete I was a coach, you know, everything was very more performance and physically based. Um, so, yeah, so I took the Anthony Robbins seminar and and that's where I that's my that was my introduction to neural to NLP, neuro linguistic programming. And things just sort of. Wiggled around from there, I uh, I danced the hula. So way back then I was. Uh, dancing the hula really regularly and with, with a regular group and that sort of morphed into um, ancient Hawaiian healing really random totally randomly I got something in the mail because it was you know I'm old enough it was before like things came through email um, about this particular teacher teaching ancient Hawaiian healing things. And um, I was not on their list. I was not on any list that would have gotten me on that person's flyer list. And yet it still arrived. Um, I think around the same time, like I did, I think I had seen a psychic or something. And the question from the guides was like, we'd like you to consider being a healer. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And that is definitely not what I do. <laughs> but the Hawaiian thing showed up and I really dove into that. I spent several years going through a whole study and an initiation process in the ways that they um, healed in ancient Hawaiian times, like pre-contact Hawaii and um that then that just sort of led to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and here i am <laughs> so a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs solopreneurs small business owners or people moving into that space mhm mm what were when you started actually ramping up your business initially mm -hmm. way back when if you could remember that far back, were there any any barriers or obstacles or challenges that came up that maybe you weren't expecting? Um, 
I think that it's equal parts harder than I thought it was going to be and easier than I thought it was going to be. Ooh. Um, I think there's a lot of things that you have to be aware of and pay attention to as a solopreneur. Um, and there's a lot of things that go into creating a successful business and one that will sustain you that are not that are outside your wheelhouse right so the entrepreneur is like i'm really good at this thing and i want to like share this thing with the world but there's a bunch of other stuff that's required in support of being able to do that that they're not good at or they don't want to be good at or they don't have the time to do right and so honestly i think a lot of the challenges are really like this reality logistical in being able to choose good people, choose people that you trust, get an infrastructure in place to support you um, so that you can focus on the work. That's probably the biggest challenge. And we end up, it's really easy for entrepreneurs to like be working 24-7 because they're constantly sort of like, trying to manage those things um i'm trying to think back when right after i retired or left my career job mm -hmm. i always knew when i started my business i did not want another full-time job i did not want it to take over my world it was just something i i set the parameters on how many clients i'd meet with per month I set parameters on minimum income per month, right? Mm -hmm. I also set parameters on the hours in a week I wanted to work. But when I first started my business, it was very hard to stick to those things. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to fall back in the old traps of working 80 hours, working six weeks without a day off one time. That was That was just ridiculous, but... I, I did it, you know, because yeah. that that whole, that I must do it. It must be done and it must be right. So I must, yeah, whatever. Um, so I think for new businesses, that's really interesting. The way we put ourselves through that much stress, yeah. thinking we have to make it hard to make yeah. it good, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think that in the growing of things, we don't... A lot of entrepreneurs don't actually have a good understanding of basic finance and profit and loss, right? And so they think if they have cash, they made profit, but they didn't, right? And and they don't really, they're not really willing to look at the expenses that are actually associated with what's going on, right? So I think that... That's part of what creates what you talked about as we get in this cycle of like, oh, I got to work. I got to got to and, and the whole, well, if I'm not working, I'm not making money piece of it. Right. So you have to really. Look at every single thing that you do, you pay yourself first. The profit is first in everything that you set up. There is a piece of profit that is literally just profit. Um, 
And you have to have the willingness to, we also have that point of view that we can't afford infrastructure. And so it's just a process that you have to go through to find the balance with that, right? But I think that the sooner that you can build, make sure that you're thinking about profit and building it in and being willing to look at numbers. And I think this is extra hard for people in any sort of energy business or service business, right? You have to be, you have you have to be willing to look at the numbers. The numbers are just information. They're just another source of information. It's a different kind of awareness, right? So you got to look at those things and be really clear about that. And I think that doing that and then the willingness to get infrastructure, I think those pieces can really make things easier for people in the beginning. Totally agree. Totally agree. Getting a team, learning how to work with a team. Yeah. Learning how to market, so many yeah. pieces and of this that we don't want to, to don't want to even have to look at. And it's something I think all entrepreneurs struggle with. I, I struggle with it, even though I know it. <laughs> well, that's your background, right? So, right, yeah. yeah. Well, we're coming up on the end of our time together. Um, you'd mentioned to me earlier that you might have a meditation for some of our listeners. I do. I have. It's um, it's uh opening your heart, awakening your acoustical being. So it's a short guided meditation with my herd, my living herd. And then I also work with uh, the spirit herd, which is kind of like you'll hear many people refer to it as the horse collective. I I work with that, but also I have many horses that have passed. Um, So I have my own, what I think of as my own spirit herd. So we're all one, my living herd and my spirit herd. And so it's a meditation to help you just acknowledge you, who you are, who you be, and open up to allow more of that to be in your life and in your body. Through the horses. Cool. So all the, the links to that will be down below. All the information on how you can get in touch with Kim will also be in the links down below. Um. And you could also contact Kim if you want some body work done on your horses. Yeah. She's on the West Coast. Yeah. Those of you who yeah. are interested, interested in, in that. She has really cool stuff. I'm telling you she does. We've known each other for a while. So um, anyway, do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners? Anything else you'd like to just throw out there? I just be kind to yourself. Be easy on your body and be willing to know what you know. It definitely makes life more interesting and easier. Totally agree. Totally agree. And so we'll just leave this episode right there. Be easy on yourself and know what you know. This is Jean Border, your host for the Focus Practical Dreamer's Journey Net podcast. Until next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Focused Practical Dreamer's Journey where we take out your emotional baggage and heal your emotional body so you get to enjoy the success you desire and deserve. Remember to visit our website at www.focusedpracticaldreamer.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time 
on the Focused Practical Dreamer's Journey.